Good morning and welcome to Freedom Church. Uh, I just want to say a massive welcome to those of you who are logging in to our YouTube live channel. Uh, you're so welcome. My name is Chris. I'm one of the leaders here. Uh, I just say we're going through at the minute from the Bible, the book of Acts. Uh, but I want to start this morning by asking you a question. I want to ask, how are you getting on in lockdown? Do you know for us, we have three children. And I have to be honest, life can be rather chaotic at times. But you know, compared to the house that I grew up in as a child, it's actually rather quiet. I grew up in a household with five other siblings, so there were six of us, and we were all within six years of each other. I know my parents are absolutely crazy, don't ask. But do you know what? I really remember Christmas time as a younger child, because this was the point where there was just absolute chaos. Christmas morning comes and we all gather into the living room, all run into the living room and everybody goes and starts ripping open their presents and there's just wrapping paper like flying all over the room as each, as each child frantically tears open their presents. And I remember this one year, I think I was about eight and uh, I open up this present and it's a, it's a red Lamborghini car. And I take it out and I was like, wow, this is amazing. And I start rolling it along the carpet and then along the walls and I take it up onto the stairs and um, start flinging it down the staircases. And this was great. And as my parents managed to get around us all and just say, how are you finding your presence? Are you enjoying it? I remember my dad coming out and he said, Chris, you've forgotten something. And uh, from out of his back comes a remote control for this car. And I was just like, wow. It's a remote control car. And um, now this was just like ultimately the most cool present to have. And you know, I've been in such a hurry that I had missed the points of this toy. I had totally mistaken what I had been given. Do you know, yeah, I could push it along with my hands and I could throw it down staircases, but turn on that remote control and wow, it was transformed. Because these cars, they're made to go fast. It was made to crash into walls and into table legs. You know, it came with a remote control because it was a remote control car. And it was just that in my absolute haste, I had missed this remote control. So why am I telling you this? Well, today in our story, we're gonna meet 12 men who had only partially seen the great gift of God and his plans for them. They hadn't yet received the power. They'd not yet encountered the joy giver. They were in the dark, so as to say, as to the transformational gift that God had given them. So if you want to join me with your Bibles, it's Acts chapter 19, verses 1 to 7. And it says, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through to the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no, we've not even heard of this Holy Spirit. So Paul asked them, what baptism did you receive? Well, John's baptism, they replied. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and they prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. So here we are in Ephesus now. Um, last week, Paul was in Corinth, wasn't he? Chris was speaking about the dynamic power of the gospel. And Paul spent quite a lot of time in Corinth and then he comes to Ephesus. And you know, Ephesus was um, a sort of modern port in modern day Turkey. And the Romans called 
this town the jewel of Asia Minor. And 2,000 years ago, at its peak, it would have been about 400,000 people living there. It was an international trade centre. It was a famous city. And uh, it was famous for many reasons, but one of the reasons was Diana of the Ephesians was known throughout the world. Uh, there was this massive temple, one of the great wonders of the ancient world. So this city was like a religious centre. It was an educational centre. It was a finance centre. It was a big player. And immediately we get taken to some disciples. And Paul, as usual, wants to spend some time with these guys because I'm sure he wants to help establish uh, healthy churches as he's just done in Philippi and in Corinth and now here in Ephesus. And so we encounter these 12 men and we find out that they've never heard of the Holy Spirit. And you know, they've probably had their teaching from Apollos on the teaching of John the Baptist. And Paul describes as only this baptism that they've received as a baptism of repentance. But we know that John actually pointed the way to Jesus, don't we? We even read it in this passage, he points to the one coming. But in Matthew 3, it says, I baptise you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry, and he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and fire. These 12 men, they were living with only half the story. They had managed to miss out on some crucial news. They knew that there was a Messiah coming. They knew a saviour was coming and they hadn't realised that he'd already come. And you know, Paul can tell this when he meets with them. It's why his first question is, have you received the Holy Spirit when you believed? And we know from him asking this question, actually it's possible to have faith in Jesus yet miss out on being filled with his Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not saying that in our conversion there isn't a work of the Holy Spirit. I totally believe the Holy Spirit is required in our work of conversion. But there's something different here. There's a filling of the Spirit that happens after conversion. And I want to look at three things that I think are really helpful to know about the Holy Spirit and who he is, what he does. And just to say, this isn't an exhaustive list at all. But I think it's really important. Paul has a very significant question here. It's his first question to these 12. And so for us, we need to take seriously this question on the Holy Spirit. So the first thing to know then is the Holy Spirit changes us from the inside out. Do you know, I remember one of my children talking about how they never wanted to get married because, do you know, they'd be forced to kiss and to cuddle someone they didn't know. And they'd be forced to buy flowers and even tidy up. And do you know, I get what they were saying, but I reminded them that uh, when you truly love someone, all of those things that are have-tos become want-tos. It changes the entire dynamic of the relationship when we love someone. That is most of the time, except maybe cleaning up. I'm not sure that ever gets there. But likewise, for many in the church and outside the church, Christianity can be seen kind of as a list of rules of all the fun things that you no longer can do. It can be seen of like, like getting drunk or sleeping with anyone you like. Christianity can be seen as just a moral code to follow. Uh, like we have to try our best not to mess up. It can be seen as a list of boxes that we need to tick, like saying sorry to God all the time because once again, we failed to read our Bible or we got angry with our kids again, uh, or we've been looking at websites that we shouldn't have been, or we filled a tax return because you know what everybody else does. And it can be this endless cycle, can't it? It can feel like an endless cycle of mess up, own up, feel shame, say sorry, try harder, mess up, own up, 
feel shame. Say sorry, try harder. Does that sound familiar to, like, to you in your life? To be honest, when we look back in history and we look at the Jewish nation, this is pretty much the pattern. Okay, we have a nation who keeps messing up. They start worshiping other gods than Yahweh, okay? These are a group of people who kept looking after their own interest, even at the expense of the most vulnerable in their communities, even when they're told time and time again to look after the poor. And you know, they knew what they needed to do when they sinned, they would sacrifice at the temple, and this was a requirement, so they knew, right, we've got to go and sacrifice, we've messed up again. And you know, God in his grace would come and he'd rescue and he'd restore. And the nation was thankful, but then the same thing would happen again. Okay, and we see that in history, it's like this pattern just keeps repeating itself. And you know, there was some kind of disconnect. There was something that was broken in the very nature of mankind. That meant this pattern would just keep repeating itself. The good news is God didn't leave us this way. God knew that we needed a helper. And one of the prophets, Ezekiel, uh, hundreds of years before the Holy Spirit gets sent, he prophesies in Ezekiel 36 about what God's going to do to his people. And he says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. God has promised that we don't, it's not about having to try our best to bring about change. Actually, he's the one who instigates. He's going to give us a new heart and he's going to fill us with his spirit. So that when it comes to choosing his ways, living for him, it becomes the absolute norm. It's not a massive battle going on in our spirits because he's given us a new spirit. And, you know, I know in my first year at uni, I struggled a lot. I wasn't really following God and I was getting drunk with friends and I was taking drugs with friends and you know inside I really wanted to stop but I couldn't muster the willpower to do so honestly I was just too weak to do so but God broke in and you know what he had to take me out of that environment he took me out of university and um, he placed me in a different city for one year and he filled me with his spirit and this wasn't He's filled me once, it's done and dusted. Paul reminds us in Ephesians 5 that we're to go on being filled daily. And I have to be honest, heading back to university in Leeds, I was scared. I was scared that I was going to cave in when I saw my mates again. Because I was so used to just smoking drugs with them or getting drunk with them. I was scared that I'd go back to doing the same old things. But you know, it was only when I got back that I realised the powerful work that God had done in my life. He had utterly transformed me and his Holy Spirit was living in me and he was helping me live for Jesus. His Holy Spirit was like my very own living coach, if you like. And, you know, that's not to say that I didn't ever mess up again. Trust me, I did and I continue to do so. But instead of feeling shame and guilt Instead of feeling all that condemnation, like, do you know what? You, you just can't change. The Holy Spirit living in me, he encourages me. He gives me faith and confidence that I can say no to these things. And, you know, he changes our characters if we allow him to. 
in Galatians 5, we read about the fruit of the Holy Spirit, don't we? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And all of these things are great things, but when I think about lockdown, I think about patience. Man, in and of my own strength, not a chance, okay? This is actually a heart thing, okay? But just to say, the Holy Spirit doing his work in us is not passive. It's not a passive role. This isn't, well, I'm just gonna sit back and I'm gonna trust that he's gonna do a work in me and I'm gonna just continue to live the way I wanna live. No, this has definitely become a heart thing. He's given us a new heart and his spirit's living in us. So the Holy Spirit dwelling in us wants to speak with us. He wants to be our helper. And we're told that if we walk in step with the spirit, we're gonna find change. So all of these things that we want ashamed of, those things that we did that we didn't really wanna do, well, the Holy Spirit, he continues to cleanse us. In fact, we're cleansed by the blood of Jesus, aren't we, from all of these things. And the Holy Spirit is totally committed to helping us to live for God as he continues to renew our minds and our ways. Secondly then, I wanna say the Holy Spirit empowers us. Do you know these 12 men, they're absolutely powerless. They're in this city of 400,000 people, they're nobodies. They'd heard Apollos' teaching about John the Baptism's, uh, about, they'd heard Apollos' teaching about John the Baptism's of, um, baptism of repentance, but they were missing out on this power to live for God. And you know, if Paul had sent these guys out to do as Jesus did, healing the sick, raising the dead, setting the captives free, prophesying over people, do you know they would have had as much of a chance of doing that as I would have had of having this remote control car without the batteries in and willing it to move. Now, we see that these 12 men, straight away as they heard the gospel, their good news, they accepted Jesus into their lives. And I just wanna say, there wasn't any waiting like the disciples had to do. It wasn't like Paul said, well, go guys, go up into this upper room and wait for the Holy Spirit. We're now in the era of the Holy Spirit. He has arrived. The gift was now present on planet Earth because Jesus has sent him. And you know, in Acts 2, we see people um, who are watching the disciples after they've been baptized in the Holy Spirit and they describe them as being drunk. And we don't know exactly what that looks like, but I guess if some of the... Um, if some of the fruit of the spirit is joy, then they've received this beautiful news. They've got excited. And I know for me, I've had many experiences in the spirit and I've had times where I've been laughing my head off at times where I've been crying, times where there's been amazement. And you know, people sometimes describe feeling a sort of surge of power in their bodies. For others, it might feel like heat running through their bodies. And I've seen many manifestations that people have had as God has filled them with his Holy Spirit. But I wanna say that he was never given just for our enjoyment. He was never meant to be just for us to have a good time for our encounters. The manifestations and experiences, do you know they're wonderful? But wonderful as they are, they're not the sole purpose as to why God has filled us with his Spirit. Actually, his Holy Spirit always fills disciples because he has called us on a mission to go 
hasn't he? He's called us to go into the world and make disciples of all nations. And he wants to display his amazing power through us for all to see. And so straight away, these guys are told, we're told they started speaking in tongues, which is to say is a spiritual um, gift of God, is a spiritual language, and they start prophesying over people. And do you know the Spirit of God, when he fills us, he propels them outside into the world to share this gift of grace and new life that they've received. In fact, John 7 says, whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. I want to say the church is never meant to be insular. It was never meant to be a brick building, no matter how beautiful it might be. The church is made up of very ordinary people, displaying the extraordinary power and presence of God. And we see this here in this chapter, how there are amazing miracles happening all over the place. There are people being set free from evil spirits. And, you know, I remember at university, I invited many friends to church, but I remember one particular friend who came. He wasn't a Christian. And... Um, it was one of those services where you invite them along and it starts and you think, oh no, please no. And it was one of those things where lots of things started happening. And I thought, he's going to freak out. This just feels so weird to someone who's never experienced this. You've got someone singing out with a gift of tongues. You've got another interpreter in it. You've got prophecies being bought from the front, which is dead exciting. But not when my Christian, my non-Christian mate's there. And, you know, as we left, we chatted. And I have to be honest, I found myself almost apologising for what they'd encountered. But, you know, it was actually my friend who said, do you know what, Chris? I was expecting something unusual. In fact, if it hadn't have been weird, that would have shocked me. Because when you talk about your relationship with Jesus, you talk about a living God. You talk about someone that you worship who speaks to you. So surely the supernatural has to be present in your meetings. And you know, I remember on Allerton Road praying with some lads as one of them was complaining about back pain. And he sat down on this bench and he talked about how this pain that he had on his back was severe and he'd been suffering with it for a long time. And what we did is we looked at his legs and we realized that one of his legs was about an inch shorter than the other. And so we asked him, can we pray for your leg to grow? And so all of his mates started gathering around laughing as we started to pray. And they got their phones out and they started filming as we prayed. And I have to be honest, do you know, I've seen people's legs grow as people have prayed for legs to grow. I've even prayed for someone before and seen it happen myself. But right there on Allerton Roads, my faith and expectation were pretty small. All I knew how to do was to pray. But you know what? His leg grew. God, in his absolute grace, used us to see his power and love displayed to this young lad. And, you know, the whole group of about 15 lads just kept asking their mates to see this video. Show me the video. Show me the video. They could see this leg literally growing on the video. It was apparent. They'd had it held over the top of the leg and they couldn't believe their eyes. And, you know, one of the lads from the group, it wasn't even the lad who was prayed for. He came to us and he said, this is amazing. And I want to know this Jesus that has done this. Do you know, we live in a society, don't we, with lots of sickness and lots of pain that need healing. 
And God has promised to empower us, to clothe us with the power of his Holy Spirit, to see exactly that, to see people's lives changed and transformed, to see the brokenhearted healed. Finally then, the Holy Spirit, I want to say, is the real deal. Do you know, we've seen a lot of hypocrisy in the news lately, haven't we? We've had experts, health experts, telling us what we need to do in lockdown, how we're not to do this and how we're to do this. And actually, they've not been following their own counsel. It's a little bit of the do as I say and not as I do. And, you know, it just leaves us feeling, doesn't it, just slightly hollow. And I think many today are searching for real authenticity. Many are searching for this real deal. And Ephesus here is a religious centre. And the economy was built around the temple. It was partially reliant on temple worship. But something extraordinary happens that causes this riot in this city after a year of Paul being there. And it's the silversmiths making the idols who run out of work. There's no one wants to buy these man-made statues anymore. And they're absolutely outraged by Paul and his companions. So what's happening here in the story? Well, I want to suggest to you that the people in this city, they're used to idol worship. They used to travel into the temple because they have to or they should do. Maybe you've had to go to church because someone's dragged you along or you felt like you've had to because this is what you've grown up with. But I want to say when the spirit of the almighty God fills us, he satisfies us like nothing man-made can. And I think in this city, people have found a genuine, authentic relationship with the living God. And this is huge. And they've realised that they've received something far better than they had before. And there's now no need to invest in empty religion. I want to say, church, the impact of a spirit filled church transforms this city from idol worshippers visiting the great temple of Diana to people understanding themselves that they have actually become temples themselves of the one true living God. And, you know, we see in this passage that it wasn't just those who were worshipping Diana that received the Holy Spirit. But we find out there were many practising magic arts who were totally transformed and undone by the Holy Spirit. And it says that they bring their books and their scrolls together and they burn them in sight of the entire city. And it tells us that these are expensive books. It was costly for them to do. But you know what? They'd experienced, what they'd experienced, being filled with the Spirit, caused them to see clearly that only God, through the power of his Holy Spirit, can truly satisfy. They found something authentic. They found a relationship with the living God and they were transformed. And, you know, I want to say we've seen throughout history time and time again, not just here in the Bible. We've seen it in our country on several occasions. The power of God move in remarkable ways. I want to just um, tell you about the Welsh Revival. Some of you all know about this in 1904 to 1905. It simply happened because there was a young woman named Florrie Evans who stood to her feet in a youth meeting uh, when asked, what's God doing in your life? And she was the only one to stand and she publicly confessed that she loved the Lord Jesus with all of her heart. And as she spoke these words, the Holy Spirit seemed to fall on this youth meeting. 
They say that was the start of revival, the Welsh revival of 1904. It was Evan Roberts though, a young man who was thirsty for God to move and he was baptised in the spirit and he felt God give him a picture. He felt God leading him that there was going to be a hundred thousand people saved. And do you know what? In the space of 10 months, it's estimated as they look at the numbers that over 150,000 people were saved and baptised in the spirit. And this revival spread throughout America and onto Australia. The effect was phenomenal. And one report says this, it says the crime rate dropped often to nothing. The police force reported that they had little more to do than supervise the coming and going of the people to the chapel prayer meetings. While magistrates turned up at courts to discover no cases to try. It says the alcohol trade was decimated as people were caught up more by what was happening in their local chapels than the local public houses and bars. Families experienced amazing renewal. Souls were saved, individual lives were changed, and society, the very fabric here of society, was changed. A hundred and fifty thousand people encountered the Holy Spirit. And you know, we're seeing here that the idols that these people had were replaced with the real deal, with the Holy Spirit. And they were ruined for anything other than the very presence of God. And you know, today, the great ancient wonder of the world, the Temple of Artemis, or um, uh, the Temple of Artemis, no longer stands. The Temple of Diana no longer stands. All that is left standing is one pillar. It's one pillar in the middle of a field. So this once world-renowned temple has just vanished over time into the dust. And we see here today, don't we, in, in our current climate, we see huge corporations and brands vanishing, don't we? We're seeing it in the news right now as retail stores close down, go into administration. In the 08 financial crash, we actually saw banks folding overnight. We've seen throughout history, powerful empires rising and falling. But right here in the book of Acts, in Acts 2, we see firstly Jesus who's taken 12 ordinary men in Jerusalem. Paul has taken 12 ordinary men in Ephesus and the Holy Spirit has filled them with his power and the landscape has been absolutely changed forever. And today over 1.4 billion people on planet earth, yeah, 1.4 billion profess a faith in Jesus Christ. I wanna say his power and his kingdom is unstoppable. And I wanna end by just challenging three sets of people who might be listening this morning. And the first is, if you're a Christian today, but you're not sure that you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, I want to encourage you that he is available to you right now. We're in the era of the Holy Spirit. He has landed on planet Earth. And, you know, maybe for all sorts of reasons, maybe you've been put off by other Christians from asking for him. Maybe you felt disappointed that you've not received one of the gifts that you eagerly desired. Maybe your theology and your practice don't line up. So you'd rather just not go there. Today, I want to encourage you to look again at the scriptures and to recognise that this promise 
the promise of a spirit that was spoken about in scripture is for you today. He doesn't want you to be left feeling weighed down by trying to make things happen. He doesn't want to, doesn't want you to feel that shame and that guilt. He doesn't want that to be your experience of Christianity. He wants to transform you and use you to do mighty things. Secondly, if you're a Christian and you know you've clearly been filled with the Spirit, I want to encourage us this morning, as Paul did to the Ephesians in, five, in chapter 5, verse 18, to go on being filled. I know there are times in my life when I ignore or neglect the Holy Spirit in my life, but I want to say he's never left me. We heard from Acts 2, the amazing things going on in the early church. And, you know, we're coming towards the end of the book of Acts of the church history of the early church. And I would hate for us as a church to sit and to listen and to enjoy hearing all about what the Holy Spirit does. Obviously this book is called the Acts of the Apostles. For some it should be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. I would hate for us to sit and listen all about what he's doing and to not act. I wanna say now is the time church to act, to allow the Holy Spirit to keep transforming and changing us. He is the real deal. And he wants us to go out and to bring him to others. And, you know, these stories that we read about, they should not be the exception. In Acts, we see this is the normal Christian walk. So I want to say, let's walk in step with the Spirit and let's step out in power for his glory. Finally, if you don't know Jesus this morning, then I want to encourage you to come and get to know him. Not just academically, but I want you to come and experience the living God for yourself. Interestingly, as I think about lockdown and this lockdown that we have in Liverpool, I can see that many idols within this city have actually also been locked down. Our football stadiums, our pub culture, fashion, wealth and business, health and gyms, you know, popularity, celebrity, academia, our universities are shut down. And I want to ask you this morning, what is it that you're living for? How is it currently going for you? I want to invite you to come and to find out for yourself whether Jesus is the real deal. Come and find out why over a billion people on planet Earth describe themselves as followers of Jesus. Come and experience the power of God. Do you know, we put on our YouTube channel, Fillmore's Preach, last week. Uh, and we're going to be sharing a link to a six-week course by a man named Dave Holden. And he's recorded a course telling you all about who the Holy Spirit is and how you receive him. And I want to encourage you to come and to find out more. One thing we see in scriptures as people are filled is very clearly that, that there is no method as such. It's not that if we do this and we do this, then you're definitely going to be filled. But what we do see is that it is thirsty people who come. They're thirsty for something authentic. They're thirsty for something real in their lives. They're thirsty to know and experience the power of God. And Jesus said in John 17, regarding his spirit, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Now, Paul laid hands on on many people, but that wasn't always the case. I believe the Holy Spirit can come on us as we sit in our living rooms, as we sit in our gardens right now, you can experience the power of the Holy Spirit. So I wanna end just by praying 
And if you're thirsty, then I want to encourage you to pray with me for him to come and for you to experience his power this morning. Holy Spirit, I want to thank you that um, you come and you dwell in us and you help us. Jesus, I thank you that you sent your Holy Spirit to help us through life. And uh, Lord, I want to thank you that it's your delight to come and to help us to live for you, to point people to Jesus, uh, to, to live lives worthy of the calling that you've called us into. And so I pray, Lord Jesus, that uh, for those who haven't experienced you, that you would come on them with such power that they would know that you are touching their hearts right now and you are doing a mighty, powerful work in their lives. And for those of us who know you, Jesus, I want to pray, change us forever, Lord God. Um, make us like the Evan, uh, Evan Roberts, Lord. Make us like that girl who stood up and, and, and shouted out that she loved you. I want to pray for a mighty move of your spirit amongst us that would see our city transformed and changed, that would see our lives transformed and changed. In Jesus' name.